Good morning. How are we? A good and a great. All right. Wonderful. Great to be with you all this morning. Uh, my name is Rob, and I want to add uh, to Paige's welcome, uh, my own welcome. We're glad you're here. I know this is the time of year where we've got a lot of new folks that are here. Maybe you've just moved to Franklin or this area, or perhaps it's just a new season and you're checking out the church. We'd love for you to uh, get to know us better, and we can get to know you better. So if you have an opportunity to say hello, I'd love to do that in the lobby or after the worship service right here down in front. Well, we've been in this series called Prayers for the Church, and it's a short series, a three-week series. We're wrapping it up this morning, and just so you know where we're going, next week we'll start a new series. One of our other teaching pastors will be with us, and we'll begin a series on the Gospel of Mark. And uh, what we typically do, if you're new here to fellowship, what we typically do is we'll just choose a book of the Bible, and we'll work through it paragraph by paragraph, line by line, asking God, hey, Help us to know what it meant to the original audience and what it means to us today, how God would be speaking to us through this text. And as we pray through what we should teach next, God's led us to the Gospel of Mark, so we're excited about that. We'll probably be in Mark for this uh, whole school year. You know, we'll start it next week and probably end sometime Easter or after Easter. Just really excited about what God's going to do through that text with us. Now, this series of prayers for the church has been a different kind of series for us. It's been based in the Psalms, but it's really kind of um, formulated around our mission statement. So each week we've been picking apart our mission statement here at Fellowship and then talking about, hey, where do we see this in the scripture, particularly in this prayer book or this song book that God gave his people called the book of Psalms? And then how are we going to live this out? So these messages have been a bit different. The first 15, 20 minutes or so have been uh, explanation of the text, and then the back 15, 20 minutes have really been around how we're going to live that out as a body, what we feel like God is calling us to do. So we're going to continue that this morning for one more week. And before we get started, I want to ask us to say this mission statement. This, uh, the reason that we're here this morning is because of this mission. So we'll put it on the screen. I want to ask you to say it with me if you would. Here's why we're here at Fellowship, to glorify God by proclaiming Christ maturing in the faith, and giving our lives away. So the key phrase there is glorifying God. So each week we've taken that phrase and we've applied it to the sub-phrases underneath. So week one was we glorify God by proclaiming Christ. And we talked from Psalm 145 about how worshiping is the highest good, the highest joy that we have in life. And we have a responsibility to pass that on to the generation that's coming below us. So our whole family strategy, our family ministry, why we do what we do, our our expectation that we're going to help equip you as parents and as spiritual parents and godparents and grandparents and mentors, spiritual mentors. We're going to equip you to do this, to pass the faith down to the next generation. That was week one. And then last week, glorifying God by maturing in the faith. We talked about our, our thoughts and vision around adult discipleship and how our hope is that all of you can take your next step, getting involved in this church and then living your faith outward as well as you grow in Christ. And this morning, we're going to focus on the last part of this mission statement, glorify God by giving our lives away. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't actually strike me as a whole lot of fun. You know, giving my life away. This is my life. I don't want to give it away. And so we find ourselves this morning in Psalm 67, the very psalm that Joe just read for us. And uh, we're going to work our way through this psalm. And I think 
that this text, as much as any other that I've found in Scripture, can be both a challenge but also an encouragement for us to know what it actually looks like to live this out. And then after we explain the psalm and talk about it a little bit, uh, we'll talk about what it'll look like for us maybe corporately as a body, Fellowship Franklin, to begin to enter into this in a new way, to give our lives away to the glory of God. So let's walk back through Psalm 67. I'll just make a few comments as we reread the text. We'll begin in verse 1. God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And then uh, depending on what translation you're reading, you may see this little Hebrew word, selah, which remains untranslated. That's just a, a transliteration, we call it, from the Hebrew. We don't know what selah means. Been a lot of speculation. It probably means this was a time for a musical interlude to give a little space to reflect on what was just said. So what comes before selah is pretty significant. Now, if you've grown up in church or you've even been attending here at Fellowship for a while, you may recognize this first phrase. God be gracious to us, bless us, cause his face to shine upon us. It's actually an excerpt or the beginning from the great priestly blessing that was given to Moses to give to Aaron, his brother, who was the priest, to speak to the people. So in Numbers chapter 6, you see this happening. Now the significance of this blessing was it was given as the people were becoming a nation. They were being prepared to enter into the promised land, to dwell into the land. And God is saying, this is my gift to you, people of Israel. It is my blessing. It's my face shining upon you. It is my countenance being lifted up to you. I want to bless you. And now this blessing was repeated at every festival. And even as uh, individual families would go and give their offering uh, to the priest, and, and he would sacrifice the offering before the Lord, he would recite this same priestly blessing to them. So it would have been a very common, you know, every Hebrew individual would have had this Memorized, And so as soon as they heard it in this Psalm 67, their mind would go back to, oh yeah, that's God's gift to us, the blessing of God for his nation Israel. But listen to what the psalmist does next, okay? Because he's about to sort of turn this on its head in verse two. So he says, God be gracious to us, bless us, cause his face to shine upon us. Here's the kicker, verse two. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. Now, at first glance, that may not seem like a big deal, but this is a huge deal. What the psalmist is proclaiming is God's special favor on us, that priestly blessing, that gift of God that's particularly for us as a people, is not ultimately for our own sakes, it's for blessing all the nations. It's in order to go through us and terminate in the glory of God and the nations worshiping him. Now, this was different, and yet it wasn't. What do I mean by that? It was different because the Hebrew people had grown away from thinking of themselves as a vessel of God's mission on the earth. They had grown to think of themselves exclusively as sort of the lucky ones, the chosen ones, the favored ones. And that is true, but they failed to remember what God had originally called Abraham to Back in Genesis chapter 12, when God said, I will bless you, and through you, Abram, soon to be Abraham, all the nations on the earth will be blessed. God's intent all along was for his chosen people to be a vessel of blessing 
to the ends of the earth. And the psalmist is taking the people back to that. He's saying, look, so that, here's the reason we got this priestly blessing, so that God's ways would be known on the earth, his salvation among the nations. In other words, he's redirecting their gaze from themselves to those that are outside their camp. And that's a big deal. Big deal. You might think of it this way. He's reminding them, we as the people of God are blessed in order to be a blessing. And so I think that's equally true for us this morning as the people of God, followers of Jesus Christ. We are blessed in lots of ways, but we're blessed in order to be a blessing. Now, how do we begin to live this out? Well, in this text, I think you're going to see encouragement along three areas. And uh, I kind of went back to my my Southern Baptist roots, and and all these are going to start with the same letter, right? So those of you that like alliteration, the sermon is for you. So uh, we, we are called to be a blessing with our words, with our works, and with our wealth. And we'll see that come out right in this psalm. So let's start with this idea of words. It's in verse 2. Right, That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. Now he's talking about, and, and I believe by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is a preview of things to come at the day of Pentecost, when literally the words of the people of God will proclaim the gospel, the good news of God, to all the nations of the earth in their own language. Right? I don't think that you can explain how salvation works without words. We're called to use our words And we'll talk about that a little bit more. What would it look like to use your words to spread good news to people that God would call you into relationship with? We'll we'll get there in a few minutes. So that's number one words right there in verse two. Now works is a little more subtle. We'll see it in verses three and four. So let's read those two verses. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So this is so far beyond Israel. This is all the peoples, plural. Verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. And then there's that Selah again. So, you know, meditate on this. Think about this. Now, at first, that may sound a bit to you almost like the threat of judgment, right? For you will judge the peoples. Now, that's typically typically going to incite in people some angst or some fear. That's actually not at all what this text is saying. Judgment in this case is not talking about, you know, the judgment to come and and, and separating the people of God from those who have rejected the good news. In this sense, judgment's talking about the just rule of God, his justice, his righteousness. And so you have these parallel words in verse 4 that, you know, it says, you will judge the peoples and you will guide the nations. And those words are working in parallel. And it's a a beautiful, um, I would say, a marriage of strength and tenderness. Justice, judgment, and guidance, right? So the strength and tenderness of the Lord. He's saying rejoice, nations, because here's what's coming, the just rule of God. Now, this was really good news to anyone who was living in a political system that was not fair and just and righteous, a political system that's imperfect. This is good news of the just and good reign of the coming king. And by the way, if you think that uh, that excludes us because our political system is different or somehow what better than it was back in these days, and by the way, I would agree that it's better than it was in these days, you don't have to read the news very long to be reminded that there's still a lot of injustice in our nation, a lot of injustice in our government. 
And so what this psalm is reminding us of is there will be a day, notice the future tense there, you will judge the peoples with uprightness, with uprightness rather, that all the earth will know the justice of God, the just reign, wholeness, completeness. There will be no more unfairness. There will be no more sin and crime and, and all those unrighteous, evil things. The darkness will be pushed aside, you see. And this is worth celebrating, right? Let the nations be glad. Sing for joy about this because this is what's coming. Now, what is our role as a people of God in this? We talked before several weeks ago in our Esther series. We can't, as the church, bring about the just reign of God. We can't usher in the kingdom. We can't make that happen. That's up to God to bring that in when Christ returns and all the earth will know the glory of God under the king, the true king. However, we are called to be a light to the world. We're called to be the salt of the earth. We're called, I like to think of it this way, to take a glimpse of what is to come and make it show up here. So we'll talk a little bit later about what it might look like for us to bless our city. To literally use our works to enter into darkness that is around us and we can't be blind to it. And say, listen, someday there will be a king who will come who's going to push back this darkness and all the earth will be ruled with his justice and righteousness. Here's an appetizer. Here's a glimpse of things to come. That's what we're called to do, to use our works. So we use our words to proclaim the gospel. We use our works to show glimpses of things to come. And then the last uh, encouragement is to use our wealth. Let's look at verses 5 through 7. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. There's that refrain again. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. Here's again the kicker. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Now, the context here is clearly material blessing. Now, when we use the word blessing, it means all kinds of things. It's not just money. It's not just food on the table. But it is that, at least in part. And here, this context is clearly referring to material blessing. Let all the earth, or the earth rather, has yielded its produce. In other words, we get to eat again for another year. But why? Why has God blessed us materially? So that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Verse 7. So here's what this means. There's a sense that the food that you have on the table, the money that you have in your bank account, is ultimately there so that all the ends of the earth may fear him, so that God's ways may be known upon the earth, so that God's salvation may be known among the nations. We're blessed, even materially, in order for that blessing to flow through us as a vessel, as a conduit of the blessing that God intends for the whole earth. You see how this works. Now, if you really understand this, it sort of changes the way you begin to think about wealth. Now, some of you might get tripped up by that word a little bit because you're thinking, I'm not wealthy. You know, we have enough to survive. You know, I'm, I'm in this camp. I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself wealthy by any means. All we're talking about is if you've got food on your table, if you've got money that you're confident tomorrow, you're going to be able to stay in your home. You're a wealthy individual. God has blessed you. God is sustaining you. And you may not feel like you have any to spare. 
You may not feel like you have any to lose or any to push away, and we'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes. Material blessings are meant to be a source of joy for us. There's no question. God intends us to enjoy good food. God intends us to rejoice in good things and quality. He wants you to have um, a joy in your heart as you enjoy the bounty that he has given you. Yet, your greatest joy is found not in consumption, but in allowing those blessings to flow through you to bless others. Right? That's where our greatest joy is found. And the psalmist is reminding the Hebrew people of this, and I believe the Spirit is reminding us this morning of this same thing. The blessings of God are to be turned outward. They're to be turned outward as tools so that others can taste and see that the Lord is good. We are blessed to be a blessing. This is what we mean by giving our lives away. Now, here's the problem. I'll say one more thing before we talked about practically what it might look like at fellowship. The problem is I still don't want to give my life away. I don't want to give my money away. I don't want to give my time. That's my most precious commodity. I don't want to give my energy. Even though I'm a pastor, right? I'm, I'm paid to be good. Even though I'm a pastor, I still, if I'm honest, in the back of my mind, get annoyed when I have to pour myself out. Isn't that sad? I'm just, I'm leveling with you here. And I know most of you in the room, maybe not all, most of you in the room, identify with me on this. Why do we not want to give our lives away? Even if we know intellectually that there's joy to be found in living this out. I've thought a lot about this this week. I think there's probably a lot of different reasons for a lot of us. You know, we're, we're selfish human beings. It's part of our human nature. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know what? The times that I am least open to giving of myself are the times when I feel the most empty. So I'd say it this way. If there's not a sense in you that going back to Aaron's priestly blessing, that God's face is shining on you, if there's not a sense in you that you're full of the blessing, the relational blessing, the face-to-face blessing and approval of your Father, it's really hard to open your hands. It's really hard to give of yourself and give your life away. Now, this is where the incarnation of Jesus Christ is so important. Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection make it possible for this beautiful picture of the face of God shining on you to actually be true for you. So in other words, if it were up to you to somehow live good enough, live righteously enough to earn the approval of God, to earn that shining face upon you, then you're going to live in guilt. You're going to live all of the rest of your life with a sense of shame and you'll never be able to give your life away because you don't have a life to give. But when you remember the gospel that Jesus earned the shining face of God on your behalf. And when Jesus, when when God the Father looks at you, he does not see you in your muck and your sin and your grime, which is true in reality. He sees the face of his son, the perfect obedient one, and he shines that countenance, you see. You can claim the high priestly blessing that God's face shines upon you simply through your faith, your faith in Jesus Christ. 
And then as you understand that truth, as you understand that gospel, and it begins to transform your identity at a deeper and deeper level, suddenly your hands can open. Suddenly you can be generous, not just with your money, but with your energy and your effort and your time because you realize, I've got what I need. I can rest. I don't have to strive for life any longer. It's been given to me. This is why we preach the gospel, not just to those who haven't heard, but we preach the gospel to us. (laughs) We preach the gospel to Christians. We remind ourselves of the identity that we have in Christ because we need that to open up our hands and give our lives away. So what might it look like for us as a body to live into this some more? I'm going to ask Eric Hoffman to come on up here. Uh, Eric was with us last week as well. Eric's our uh, executive pastor here at Fellowship Franklin and and is responsible for leading. Uh, He and I partner together in leadership, but Eric in particular is responsible for for casting vision for a lot of our ministry areas here at this church. And so I want you to hear from Eric and myself as well. And before uh, I turn it over to Eric for a few minutes, I want to put on the screen three main ways that we think God's calling us to sort of give our lives away. So when you think about what that means here at Fellowship Franklin. Here's, here's how we're thinking, how God is leading us. Number one, resourcing and serving our global partners. Eric will say more about that in a minute. Number two, blessing our city. I alluded to that a bit ago. I want to come back to it in a few minutes. And then the last thing is sharing good news where we live, work, and play. So resourcing our global partners, blessing our city, and then sharing good news. So Eric, why don't you uh, talk to us about that first one? Yeah, so... Um you know, the mission that we have to go into the world uh, with the gospel is not something we created. It's something that has been given to us by Jesus. And so when we think about Jesus' words, he tells us as, as those who have put their faith and trust in him to go and then make disciples of all nations. So as we are going locally and then to the ends of the earth to take that message of the good news that people can be reconciled to God through what he has done on the cross— We are to take that with us wherever we go and to be intentional with taking that to the ends of the earth. And so if you're new to fellowship and if you've just been around for a while, I want to review how we live out our global outreach, like how we as a church have decided to steward the gospel into the nations. And so the way that we've decided to do that best is by taking uh, local indigenous leaders to those countries that God has, uh, by his grace, revealed to us to partner with. We, We resource them. Uh, we uh, help them think about strategy and training, and then we also send people there to help equip them in, uh, in the field. But wh- why we're doing local indigenous leaders is so that we don't have to learn a new language to go. We don't have to figure out culturally uh, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Um, they already know all of those things. They're already doing a work there. The thing that we can come alongside them and partner with is we have resources, training materials, things that are, are a great resource to them to help further the kingdom of God in their area. And so we have local partners, all uh, global partners all over the world that you can, you can go online and see. Um, and one of the things that we've always asked you guys to do is, is to pray, uh, pray for our partners, pray for those who God has brought uh, in our midst. We do that all the time with those in, in Russia who are facing persecution or those in South Sudan if, as they've faced uh, political upheaval. We, we keep bringing those things for us to pray as a body. Uh, then we ask you guys all to give. Uh, in December, we have our global Christmas offering, which funds all of our global initiatives throughout the whole year. And we gave an update a couple months ago. You can go online and see um, Brian Petek, our global, global pastor, and, and the update that he gave. But the thing that we also ask you to do is for some of you to go. And we realized, uh, as Rob and I were talking, we were just like, you know, we, 
we really feel part of this mission. We talk about our global partners a lot, but the thing that we feel like we're lacking a little bit is uh, people going, people going to the ends of the earth uh, and taking the gospel. And there's been a few of you who have joined other, other partners in, in going on, on some of the global trips that we have. But the thing that we really wanted uh, to see God do is, is to really have a partner of our own that we really feel ownership uh, at Fellowship Franklin that you know, this partner is, is ours. We're going to be sending families and people to. We're going to be continuing to support and pray for the other partners and even go on trips to those. But to have our own partner that we feel like, man, this is, this is ours. This is, uh, we have some ownership in. And so by God's grace, uh, a couple months ago, we were approached by the church in uh, Comus, Peru, that we partner with there. And they said, we have an opportunity in another part of Peru that uh, God is doing a great work, that we can come alongside. We really feel an opportunity to come alongside this, this, uh, this church and this pastor uh, and, and what they're doing in their area. And so we, we started to explore that. Chris and Kaiser White, who are members of our body, went on an exploratory trip with an elder and they came back with this great report. So in November um, or sometime this year, we are going to go on an exploratory trip and just explore, is this uh, another partnership that we could, we could open up and partner with this church, this indigenous church here with these pastors uh, to spread the gospel in that area? And so uh, we're just excited that God has been, uh, been leading us in this way. He's been answering our prayers in this way. And so we're going to continue to inform you on just how God uh, so leads that some of you might go um, with us in this, in this initiative. And I, I want to say this. I love the way we approach global ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Eric said it very well, but us coming alongside those that are in the culture, knowing the culture, speak the language, sharing the gospel on those front lines. And uh, to the, the opportunity to go, I'll say this. I've never in my life experienced a deeper uh, opportunity to be transformed spiritually than when I've gone on trips like these. Mm-hmm. So if you never have had the opportunity to do that, you'll be hearing about opportunities to do it. And I can't encourage you enough to take advantage of that. So you'll be hearing more about that new partnership in months to come. Uh, you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right, let me talk about number two, blessing our city. Now, I want to say out front, we don't have a strategy nailed down on what this will look like. And we'd love to talk to some of you if you have ideas about this. Um, I'll, I'll share an analogy. A year ago, we introduced to you, hey, we think God's leading us to think differently about family ministry strategy. We don't know what it'll look like yet, but we're going to invite you to pray with us. And over the 12 months, God helped us with the strategy. God brought a new pastor alongside to come alongside us. We're at a similar place with this second one, blessing our city. Now, here's, here's what I mean by this. When I first moved to Franklin, you know, you drive around and you're like, man, this is like, this is unbelievable. This is, this is the epitome of what, you know, the American dream, you know, the, the, the close cut lawns and the picket, white picket fences and all the great things for the kids. And I just didn't see any need. I didn't see any lack. I didn't see any poverty until I drove around with Eric one time. And he said, hey, there's some pockets and, and almost it's kind of kept hidden, but there's some real areas of need in this community. And some of these areas of need are within a mile or two of where we're sitting right here. Now, I know not all of you live in Franklin. Some of you live in Spring Hill. Some of you live in Brentwood or Nashville and other places. But the reality is you can't go anywhere without having 
actual real need right here in our backyard, right here in our neighborhood. There's more racial diversity than we think there is typically when we think, some of us, about Franklin. There's more tensions along those lines. There's more physical, tangible needs. There are people that don't have enough food to eat on a daily and weekly basis. And so we're beginning a process of just praying, God, what would it look like for you to call us to enter into the fray and begin by the power of your spirit to turn back darkness and show a glimpse of the kingdom to come right here in Franklin, Tennessee and in this area. So we would just invite you to start praying with us about that. And if you have a particular interest or passion or idea, just come engage with us and we'll, we'll, we'd love to invite you into that process. So, so that's where we're at, blessing the city. And, and we'll uh, hopefully be bringing you many more updates as the next 12 months unfold. Yeah, and, and really how, how this is, is started is just this growing um, uneasiness, I think, within us, but a, really a conviction by God that, you know, we've been focusing a lot internally of getting our church healthy and, and maturing in the faith and doing a lot of work. I mean, Rob came on two years ago, so we've been doing a lot of work internally, just kind of getting processes and systems. And one thing that we just, we just noticed is that we were talking a lot internally, but not really talking about how are we reaching our city with the gospel, how are we coming alongside those who are, are different than us? And, and so we, um, we, we really, really are feeling just this is, this is where God is leading us. This is where, and again, like Rob said, it's not a program per se. Like we don't think that it's going to be like this program. We all encourage you to join this thing, and, and it all looks the same for all of us. But we do think it's going to be relational. Like we know that that is how it's going to be led. And so when the gospel, like how Rob talked about, when the gospel changes us, when we come to f- put our faith and trust in Christ, what we come to realize is that God pursued us first. He initiated towards us uh, when we weren't put together, when we weren't perfect. It's Romans 5, 8 lived out. The Father sent the Son to us. And then the Son now is sending us into our world to engage our world with the good news of Jesus. And so we understand that uh, reaching out to our neighbors, reaching out to coworkers, all those things, it can be messy, it can be harder, but the gospel is what informs us of how uh, we do that. And so one thing that we want to talk about is that the gospel compels us to be stewards of what God has done in us. And the grace that we have been given is to be extended uh, into our community. And so if we could say it this way, we believe that you are where you are by God's design, God's provision, God's providence. You are in the workplace you are. You're in the neighborhood that you are. You're doing extracurricular things where you work out what gym you are. You are there for a reason. And so we, as we have been thinking about this, we, we've been just noticing some of you are already living with gospel intentionality in every part of your life. You're, just, you're not really adding things to your life. You're really just doing the things that you've already been doing, but just with gospel intentionality. Like, who is God bringing into my life that I can share my life with? And so, I mean, her, uh, the Latrells in their neighborhood have been, have been doing a dinner where they just invite neighbors over just to get to know them and build relationship with, and then hopefully be able to share the good news of Jesus with. Um, we have uh, th- those of you who have been working with refugees and uh, the Zerskis, and, and then Bruce and Joanne, and, and seeing uh, as internationals are coming into their business, uh, Bruce has been reaching out to them, and they've been having them over for dinner, and they're seeing as that as God's uh, providence uh, that they put them there. Uh, this last uh, spring, I coached uh, Luke's uh, soccer team, and it was like herding cats, and uh, you know, it was, it's, it's like, why am I doing this? Why am I emailing about uh, what snacks are going to be this Saturday? Like, I'm just like, what is going on? But the reality is, is 
I meet with a lot of you guys, and you guys are all like Christians. And so like, I have to be intentional with how do I build a relationship with those who don't believe. Like I have to, like I did that just so I could meet those who aren't a part of our church. So I could build relationships with those uh, who have yet to believe. The thing that I started praying as we, as we started talking, the thing I started praying is this. I started praying that God would bring people into my life who have yet to believe in Christ. And the thing that started happening is I started seeking those relationships. I started walking in my neighborhood. God started to do that. At the, at the pool, when we were at the pool, my uh, Luke, our oldest, he is just, he'll talk to anyone. He, there's no stranger to him. And through that, I've met a tons, of, tons of neighbors. Now with that, I'm not saying it's been easy because it's actually been messier. Because the relationships we're building, um, their kids are watching shows that we don't let our kids watch. And, you know, it's like, it's, there's a bunch of tensions in all of this. And Luke's learning language that we're like, ah, we didn't really want him to hear that or talk that way. And I'm telling you, it's been a little bit messier. But, but by God's grace, um, we, we really do believe that God's bringing people into our life. Because it's, it's just really just with intentionality. We're not adding, I don't have time to add a program into my schedule of doing this, but I can uh, walk my neighborhood. I can be more intentional when I'm at the pool. I can be intentional with the things that are already happening in my life. So this is how we would say this. We're encouraging all of us to think of how, where we live, work, and play, that God has placed you there intentionally, and to live in those areas with gospel intentionality. How do I share the good news of Jesus with those who God has brought into my life? And if you don't have relationships with those uh, who are unbelievers, we would just ask that you begin a process of praying, of seeking, and finding those who are around you that you can build relationships with. And we believe that, you know, you can't force someone uh, to believe. You can't do any of those. That's a spirit's work. Our only call is to be faithful and obedient to the mission that God has given us. And as a church, we want to do that. And so we want to pray to that end uh, in this. And so really, again, it's not some program. We don't really have this thing, but we want to help equip you how you do that. Um, but the thing that we just want you to ask you, would you join us in praying and seeking those type of relationships uh, to spread the gospel? Yeah, and as Eric was talking about that, I even thought about the way we structure our worship services. And I, I kind of pulled back the curtain last week and sort of shared with you, yeah, there's some intention on how we, we begin a worship service, how we go into the, the message. And we're going to begin even more to have some intention in how we close the service. Because if you think about what a worship service is, it's the gathering of the people in order to be formed and shaped and then sent out on mission. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be uh, calling on us as a body to live that out in a little more way. And if that creates this sense of like, oh no, uh, guilt, that's not where we're going with it. Again, if you go back to the gospel, if you go back to being formed by Christ, uh, we will as a body be changed. And so it'll naturally begin to seep out just sort of automatically. It's not something you have to put on your checklist and to-do list and feel a lot of guilt around. It's the way that we pray that God's going to shape us just to be living out our faith. Mm-hmm. So here's what we'd like to do. Um, we've talked about a lot of things today. We've talked about a lot of the things over the last three weeks, actually, going all the way back to week one, where we talked about our family strategy. And each week, we've ended with a prayer. 
And we said, here's our prayer for Fellowship Franklin. And week one, it was about our family ministry. Week two, it was about adult discipleship. Week three, it's about external focus and outreach and, and what it will mean for us to turn from inward to, to outward. And so we thought it'd be very appropriate to close this whole series today by praying along those lines. So here's what we want to do. We're going to invite you to pray with us. Uh, I'm going to ask J.J. Jones to come on up here, and J.J. and myself and Eric are going to lead us. Uh, if you weren't here two weeks ago, we introduced J.J. Jones as the newest member of our pastoral staff. He's going to head our family discipleship ministry and is going to give leadership to children's ministry, student ministry, and equipping parents. We're excited to have J.J. And so I've asked J.J. if he would, hey, pray for us along the lines of the family ministry strategy. And then Eric will pray for us along the lines of adult discipleship that we talked about last week. And then I'll close us with the time of prayer for external focus and, and what we call missional living. And I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and as we pray, just to pray along with us. And I know that takes a measure of discipline and focus, mm -hmm. but if we would all consider ourselves to be a body of Christ gathered in unity around this good news of our faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask JJ, if he would, to begin leading us now in this time of prayer. Would you pray with me? For families, uh, Heavenly Father, our desire is to proclaim your works and your acts as we proclaim Christ to the next generation. And as we strive to do this here at Fellowship Franklin, help us to be creative and strategic as we equip parents to disciple their children. Give us the tools we need to resource and lead our families well. Give us the tools we need to resource and lead our fellowship kids and FSM leaders well. And give us the margin and the mind to be intentional in our desire to partner together as the church and the home. And likewise, Lord, we ask you to help us become a family of faith. Help us to see every child and student as just not the responsibility of their parents, but as precious gifts belonging entrusted to every single one of us in the family of faith. Help us to be good stewards of the time we have with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and help us to family one another well. And finally, uh, help us to engage families in our community with the good news of the gospel. Give us the grace to be the hands and feet of Christ in our neighborhoods. Help our homes to become beacons of light that reflect Christ and his grace and help our families to live by their example what it means for the church to be a family with gospel intentionality to those who desperately need to know you and desire a place to belong. Holy Spirit, in your strength, lead us to become a family of faith, proclaiming Christ from generation to generation to the glory of God. Lord Jesus, it's only in your name and authority that we can accomplish this, and it is in your name that we ask this. Amen. God, we continue to pray to the end of that we would grow and mature in you, that in your grace you have given us this church, this community of faith to walk, to encourage each other, to help each other walk and abide in you. Father, would you remind us that we need you in all things? Would you reveal in us our individualistic mindset? 
how we can be so easy to just consume, where we make things about us. But God, you have designed us to be in relationship with you, dependent in all things on you. May we walk in the purpose that we were created for, to be rooted and grounded in you, to find our life in you. And so we ask for this growth to happen in us as we're in relationship with you. That we would grow deeper with you and deeper with others. Father, for this church, would you raise up leaders who will come alongside others and lead others in the faith? God, that our ministry would grow as, as our people grow in depth and breadth. God, help us steward the work that you accomplish in us into the lives of others. In your grace, you've given us your word, your people. You've given us your spirit that lives within us and transforms us. God, would you make it clear for each and every person where you're leading them, where you're guiding them to take the next step to grow in faithfulness and obedience in you. And Jesus, we remember this is your church and we long to be faithful to you in all things. Bring us to maturity and unity for your glory. Amen. Finally, Father, we pray that we would become not just an internally focused group of people, but that we would be able to turn outward, that we would follow in the example of Jesus, giving our lives away, for the sake of your glory and for the gladness of the people around us. And we confess that too often we've been inward, that our natural inclination is to be just so focused on our own comfort and convenience that we miss the invitation to be about your work. So as an overflow of the grace we have received, would you empower us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus by giving our lives away? Mm -hmm. Father, we pray for our global partners those in Peru, Nigeria, Russia, South Sudan, Germany, Croatia, Slovenia, Jordan. Would you empower them? Would you encourage them to boldly proclaim truth? Would you resource them with what is necessary for them to continue the work you've given them to do? Would you help us to know how we can best serve and support them as partners? And Father, we pray for our community, for Franklin, Spring Hill, Brentwood, Nashville, the whole Middle Tennessee region. You've placed us here with purpose. Mm -hmm. Would you show us specific ways you would call us to be a blessing to our city? We want to obey your invitation to be a light to the world right here. We want to offer glimpses of wholeness and peace Mm -hmm. and justice in ways that point people to the hope who is the Prince of Peace. And Father, we thank you for that hope. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name and by his name and through his name that we boldly approach your throne. We know that you have heard us and you are with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.